Welcome to this edition of On Politics. I'm Dr. Eric Morrow at Tarleton State University, and we're glad you're joining us today uh, right here on KTRL 90.5 FM. Our shows are also streaming on uh, the web at tarletonradio.com. And I want to encourage you, as I do each week, is if you're not able to hear us when we broadcast, uh, to look us up on SoundCloud, where the show goes after it is aired, and also wherever you download your podcast, that could be Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Uh, it's available there as well. So we are staying local this week. Last week, we had Superintendent Matt Underwood on to talk about navigating the COVID environment and public education and got some updates on the uh, construction going on at the high school. Uh, this week, we are still local in Erath County, and we want to welcome uh, for the first time uh, Judge Alfonso Campos, who is the county judge for Erath County. Uh, he is joining us today uh, really in a critical time here because of what is happening not just with the pandemic and continuing to navigate it, but also uh, with uh, the distribution of vaccines, with that being ramped up all across the country. Uh, but also, this is important too, when we talk about government and what state services and county services uh, are provided, because the, the county, the leadership of the county plays an important role in that. And so I, I, I want to get into a little bit of that with him today. Uh, Judge Campos has um, been engaged in different uh, aspects of, of, of leadership in the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Uh, he, but he also had some uh, background here in terms of uh, uh, attending the U.S. Coast Guard Officer Boarding School, uh, being a senior, uh, taking senior police management courses through the FBI National Academy. Uh, he has worked uh, as the department head of pretrial services in Erath County. And then prior to that was a justice of the peace in Caldwell County. So he's had a significant uh, amount of experience at that level and, of course, uh, has been serving uh, here in uh, Erath County for the last several years as the chief elected official of the county. Judge Campos, I want to welcome you to the show. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, well, I'm I'm a, I'm a short timer. I'm, it's just a couple of years that I've been here, but uh, we'll see what uh, what's on the horizon. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and 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 as you know, uh, and as you've experienced, I mean, there's so many facets of local government, and and not just county, but collaborating with under, other entities, uh, city, school districts, and and of course, being an extension of the services that the state provides are are so critical and important. And I, I, I wanted to, uh, really my first question to you, in, in that regard, is that I think people know who the county judge is or, or that there is a county judge, but I'm not sure they're always a familiar with the extent uh, of the work you do. Could you give us a, a little bit of an overview of the responsibilities you have uh, in that position? Yeah, I mean, primarily the, the county judge is the presiding officer over commissioner's court. And uh, the, 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 the county judge really is, uh, it combines legislative, judicial and executive powers uh, into one office, obviously legislative being with uh, the ability to do county ordinances. And that's that's important in the time we're living right now, because with some of the governor's orders, he has delegated to the county judges and sometimes to the mayors or both of us, uh, you know, on, on some of the of the restrictions where he has been uh, uh, you know, maybe made generic restrictions, statewide restrictions, and some that we could opt out of. For example, the uh, 
the restaurant was uh, at 50 percent capacity. But if we had a certain low number of cases, we could opt into doing a 75 percent capacity. And so that falls down to the county judge to, uh, you know, to to initiate that process and to get it going and and to be certified through the state so that our businesses can uh, sometimes can open and then sometimes can operate uh, at a higher capacity. So, uh, I mean, we've, I came into a storm, I think this year, I, I wasn't realizing completely what all, uh, what all responsibilities the county judge had, but uh, uh, you know, but the governor's office, the state, the uh, county judges association, uh, they've all been really helpful with us, uh, you know, so that we can get through this. So in the midst of, of the, the pandemic and the, and the challenges of navigating that, and as you said, uh, uh, following the, the guidance directives of the governor, uh, what, what are uh, a, a lot of attention has been given to, uh, to that area? Are, are there areas that, that of the county and, it, and its function and so forth that have been challenged by that in terms of maybe they've, they've not been given the attention they need to because of this environment we're in or, or I mean, I think a lot of people are not maybe as familiar. I mean, they think about roads. They may think about, uh, you know, elections. We just had one of those and the, the office is there. Uh, but there's a there's a lot of other things that go on at the county level. And and yeah. uh, I know you've got some very quality people working uh, with you, but I, I didn't know how how challenged that would be in this environment. Well, it has been a challenge, and especially initially, uh, you know, when we don't know, we didn't know about this virus, and I'm talking about March and early April, and then we had some challenges in our offices with some uh, with some positive tests, and so what do you do? I mean, when you don't know a whole lot, then you're you're very cautious about things. So, so we closed some offices, and then uh, we put up, for example. Uh, plexiglass barriers to minimize the con or the close contact that we would have with customers. But, uh, you know, and then we had to clean the offices and that was, mm-hmm. you know, you had to find a vendor that, uh, that had never been, never really been done. I mean, it, the service was out there, but we had never really contracted it. And then further down the road, you know, we continue having some positives. So, you know, people working from home there where you could, but, you know, the number of services that the county provides, and uh, we're a customer service organization. We work for the people. Uh, we register your automobiles. And, you know, when you're ready to do that, I mean, you want to be able to come down and uh, and to see that we're open and you can do that. I mean, we obviously to pay your taxes, uh, we do all that, but to, to transfer land and title, uh, you know, also to get death certificates, birth certificates, those all come through the county. Uh, the county also provides some additional services, you know, the, at the jail, obviously, you know, so that that has to continue functioning. And that's a that's quite a big operation. And then, uh, you know, when people die out there that are unattended, then, you know, it's it's the justices of the peace and the judges that go out there to, uh, you know, to, to perform inquests and record those deaths. And so, yeah, we've had some challenges. Uh, you know, you talk about roads and things. I'm not going to say they've been secondary, but, you know, they've uh, we've taken care of those as we've uh, continued to uh, to do to do business and, and to do what the people expect us to take care of. Very, very good. I know that that all of that work and, and especially in the pandemic takes a lot of uh, 
uh, communication with other uh, entities of government, not just the the state itself, but I've had the Stephenville mayor. I've had a couple of school superintendents. Um, how? What's your assessment of 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 the work? across government entities in Erath County uh, in terms of, of dealing with this crisis and trying to monitor things and, and make decisions that need to be made for uh, uh, either following the governor's directives or also for, for the benefit of public health? Well, I've been really proud of the of everyone involved. And I'm going to say county, but I mean, that encompasses everyone from the you know, the cities, you know, Dublin, Stephenville, uh, Tarleton University, uh, the hospitals uh, and the doctors and just anybody, everybody that's going to be involved there. We started having conference calls early on. And, and then when it looked like we when it looked like we were going to have, you know, 20 to 30 cases and it just really slowed down. And we were wondering if, you know, sometimes we'd have a case and sometimes some days we wouldn't. But then suddenly uh, the gates opened about June or July. And then, uh, uh, I mean, we really were glad that we kept doing those those conference calls. Because believe me, we were considering say, hey, you know, is this thing over? I mean, we didn't know. You know, we really didn't know. And, and it turned out that, no, it wasn't over. It was just beginning. And, uh, you know, now we're having those conference calls. And we're really glad that we spent all that time you know, visiting and discussing, uh, you know, what uh, were some of the responsibilities were going to be almost almost practicing when we were having fewer deaths, fewer cases and fewer hospitalizations or the the rush, if you will, that uh, that we've had in the last month or so. Uh, it's just been I mean, I, I, it our hospital is handling it and they've been on the on the top of uh, of everyone's list to let's take care of our hospital and that's that's understandable so what what we have to do in in getting our message out is to you know to 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 try to tell people to to encourage them to take all the precautions that they can you know if uh, you know wearing the mask staying home if if you're not going to do that uh, you know keep maintaining social distance and then wash your hand washing your hands so, so one of my conversations with uh, uh, Mayor Savine here in, in Stephenville, and this has been months and months ago when uh, I, I, I happened to pass, I'd interviewed him before the pandemic, and then we we saw each other in town. And, uh, you know, it was at a point where uh, they were really trying to remind people in the community about taking precautions and and, and just being safe and, and and those kinds of things. And I, I wonder in your engagement with uh, like you talked about the restaurants with the, the capacities and things like that, have you, have you sensed a, a, a good level of cooperation among uh, businesses and especially restaurants or those that have been in the governor's executive orders that have, you know, said, Hey, let's, let's limit uh, a little bit in order uh, to, to try to get through this. Uh, or, or has there been some, you know, pushback on that, or, or are people fairly understanding of trying to uh, balance their uh, another livelihood that's been in, in the balance here, as well as uh, safety? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think we got, got over that initial hump of uh, of closing businesses, and the, the governor really doesn't want to do that anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. But in order to maintain that, then then we're going to have to. Uh, we're going to have to take the precautions so that we can keep some of our numbers down. Now we've already exceeded some of those numbers, and so we've had to get bumped back to to fifty percent uh, on our restaurant capacity. And 
and with some of our businesses. But uh, now, you know, I'll get a call from a citizen here and there and saying that somebody is really overcrowded or somebody's pushing the envelope on 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 the capacities or other otherwise or not not wearing any uh, not taking any precautions and uh, and uh, you know I try to be sure to to follow those calls up and and to call the uh, to call the person that was complained on and say hey I just want to let you know okay <laughs> I got I got this call uh, because I think it's my duty to to point it out to hey these are your customers this is how they this is how they view this. And I wanted you to know that one of your customers called me and said, hey, uh, we need to either, you know, not have as big a crowd in there or we need to take the more precautions, have more of your customers encourage them to wear a mask if that be the case or the social distancing. Uh, because, you know, some of the I mean, the bars, especially they I mean, they got closed. They're closed right now. So, um, you know, it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility that if uh, if our if our hospital gets uh, uh, gets overburdened, that that we will have to have some severe restrictions. Right, I know. I'm following the numbers in the in the Metroplex as well, and and those hospitals, the challenges that they're they're having right now too. I mean, the uh, the options, I guess, that we have if once you're at capacity are are, are challenging uh, to try to, to to get the 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 kind of care that people may need, whether it's related to to COVID or not. Uh, what what's what's on the on the horizon here? I mean, I saw an article out today about the um, uh, amount of vaccines that are going to be coming to Texas initially. Uh, is there is there any uh, uh, information that that in, in looking ahead that that the the states put out that gives us a sense of how this is going to move over the next weeks and months in trying to uh, get this turned around. And I, and I, I would assume at this point, the strategy is through the vaccine. It's, 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 it's trying to have the safety policies in place and that kind of thing. But as we're seeing that it's still, we still have a challenge before us. And uh, uh, so what do you, do you know what the strategy looks like in the weeks and months ahead? Well, you know, just uh, uh, from the, some of the conference calls I've been on, I know that uh, they, they, they've gotten the, the, the vaccines delivered them to 110 hospitals in Texas. Now, some of those are going to be major, and like ours locally here, you know, we're, we're affiliated with Texas Health, which is through, uh, you know, through Fort Worth, and it's, it's a big system. So whatever they get, you know, some of it's going to trickle down to here. And then also the you know, because the emphasis is going to be on the healthcare workers first, then they've had to, the state has had to identify, you know, who are the healthcare workers? You know, that uh, would include hospital personnel, obviously, uh, emergency management services, uh, long-term care uh, providers, home health workers, um, you know, pharmacy personnel are going to be included in there. Uh, last responders, which is a name given to, you know, the funeral home embalmers and things like that they're going to be in the in the mix and then school nurses uh, initially and that's you know just in the state that's like one and a half million uh, in personnel so uh, you know a lot of the vaccine initially that's that, that's where it's going to go that's where it's planned to go uh, we do we have already uh, uh, had some uh, vaccines administered here uh, locally and that would be with the the doctors and the, and the hospital personnel. I don't know how many for sure, but uh, but just for uh, reassurances that we we have had some here in Stephenville. 
Very good. Uh, uh, on on that note, too, is uh, is the is the state or or the county involved in a way of trying to uh, get public communication out about uh, the uh, about vaccinations, or do you see that on the horizon and how uh, how that may be in terms of in, either encouraging people? I mean, I know it's in the end, it's up to an individual whether to get it or not, and and we know we've got there are people out there that are. That are concerned about it. It seems like I'm I'm seeing more and more information on in social media and others where people are are at least doing some research, a little reading, and they seem to be feeling a little more comfortable about this, especially with the way that the that the pandemic's been going. But I didn't know if if the 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 county would be involved in trying to 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 get information out and 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 encourage people to get the vaccine. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to uh, piggyback off of the uh, uh, the Texas uh, Health and Human Services Department, and they obviously they they have a campaign to try to get the word out. And at the same time, they've been doing some surveys, and in in their initial surveys, fifty three percent said yes, they're gonna they're gonna take the vaccine. Nineteen uh, percent were undecided, and the uh, or nineteen percent said no, and the the others were undecided. So, I mean, you know, a split, yeah, I don't, it, people are evaluating it, uh, but um, it's not going to be mandatory. Uh, so e- e- each person will be able, you know, make up their own mind on it. Uh, and down the road, I, I don't know. All I know is, uh, you know, the, the, the DHS, the Department of, uh, of Human Health Services, they are going to have a place where if you get uh, the vaccine, you can... Uh, you can put in a little app on your phone and you can uh, you can help them to monitor your health so that if you have any adverse reactions, you know, they know right away because they're going to want to. Of course, they're going to want to know if you have adverse reactions. Uh, and, you know, there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of uh, vaccines that are that are. I think this the other one is uh, either today or tomorrow. It could be approved. So it may be shipped on Monday. And that means that. Um, you know, th- that they're going to have uh, tremendously more, you know, doubling the number that uh, that maybe would have been available. One of them is Pfizer, uh, and that one's the one that's out right now, the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, the Moderna is the one that's coming up, and it, it could be distributed as early as uh, as Monday. Very good. Well, we're, we're hoping for some promising results with that as the it seems like the the success rate with it, at least in the trial runs, and and we'll we'll see see what happens because I know uh, you as well as others, and we've certainly seen it with our public services and law enforcement and the challenges that people are under in the midst of this to continue to provide uh, the services that they do. Uh, speaking to that, uh, the, the, so we're right on the the. The threshold of another session of the legislature, and uh, and in my background in teaching government and and, and being involved in policy, um, I always talk let students know that uh, we, when we talk about this, especially uh, when we're talking about resources in the state, that 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 levels of government are 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 always advocates for themselves as well. They're just like Tarleton State as an institution is is uh, is is advocating for more resources. Uh, to accommodate growth and plans and all of that, 
uh, the, the counties and the city, local government as well. Um, I did, in looking ahead to that session, uh, are there any uh, major issues that you're aware of, you know, either through the county associations or, or, or so forth, of that the legislature may be taking up related to county government, uh, way we structure it or resources or certain areas that may get attention? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that in county government I've learned that uh, to, to be on the lookout for during a legislative session is it's called unfunded mandates. Right. And that's where there's, there's a law that's passed that's going to require the county to provide certain services. And there's always a price tag with that. But a lot of times it's it's going to be borne by, you know, by the county. Uh, one item that has been discussed is, uh, you know, transferring uh, vehicle registration, not vehicle registration, the driver license uh, mm. to the uh, to, to, to locally, because right now the you know the state does that. If that's transferred locally, you know that obviously would be a big uh, a big increase in the uh, in the services that that we would be providing. So we'll be on the we'll be watching for that. Uh, unfortunately, there's also a move out there because it's it's been out there in the last couple of sessions that uh, would uh, restrict uh, uh, county employees or counties going to the capital and advocating uh, for for laws. And that's you know it's it's thrown in the same uh, bucket as uh, lobbying. And you know some people some are of the of the feeling that uh, that uh, county employees should not be. Uh, compensated for going down to the capital to, to advocate for something in their own county. But, you know, but, but if, then if you're in county government, you feel like uh, uh, you, you lose a lot of strength. You lose a lot of say if you're not able to go make a trip to the capital and advocate, you know, that, uh, for example, uh, absorbing the driver license uh, renewals and issuance. Mm-hmm. Uh, would cost us a lot of money. And we want to say that we want to make our voice be heard. And if we're not able to do that, then we wonder just, you know, if if it's going to be heard or if, uh, if they would take that into consideration. Uh, you know, there's, there's other items, but most of them are like uh, uh, with that, the mandates is the mandates that, uh, because it just causes us to uh, in the county to, to expend more resources on, on, on some of the services that are right now provided either by someone else or provided by the uh, by the state. Well, and I, and I think uh, that's a that's a whole area of education that when we get into teaching uh, state and local government that we try to help students understand that a lot of these services, depending on where you live, uh, uh, there there are things that the county does solely. There are things that. Uh, cities do, uh, you know, school districts. I mean, and then there's some of those that cross over depending on, on where you are. And uh, 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 hearing that about you talking about the, 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 the lobbying aspect of it. Um, if you've got other governments within your County that are able to do that and you're not, that, that seems like that would be a significant challenge in keeping uh, those different uh, uh, areas that are that are covered and, and, and often in either different ways or completely different uh, from being in front of lawmakers uh, as much. So I, uh, that one I'll have to look into as well. And we'll we'll maybe track that one and, and keep people uh, informed on, on the show, because uh, I've seen that with students in the classroom that and, some, and sometimes I've started out in the first few sessions of class and, you know, say, did you. Uh, uh, brush your teeth this morning? Did you drive on a road to get to school? Did you stop at a stop sign? It's telling them, look, you're, you're, you already interacted with local government uh, 
you know, three or four or five times before you even stepped in the classroom of a state institution. You know, it's uh, uh, but to keep that in front in front of people to know not only uh what government does around us every day that that structures and, and our lives and provides safety and, and so forth, but uh, also our, our vital services and who's actually doing that, whether it is the city, the county or the uh, the school district. Um, just one you know, additional thing on that as, as we kind of look ahead. Um, what do you see are here right here in Erath County? What in a, aside from the pandemic? I mean, that one's front and center, I think, for everybody. But what do you see are some of the things that. Uh, uh, in the year ahead that, that are, are going to be critical or important for the county uh, in addressing its, its function and the services that it provides for the citizens here? Well, for us, I think it's going to be growth. And I think it's like that for, for nearly uh, all of us uh, that are involved in, uh, in the public sector uh, here in the county. Uh, growth, you know, more, more vehicles to register. We know that because uh, we transfer a lot of them from out of state and see, so we mm-hmm. can see people are moving in from out of state because we can track the number of vehicles that uh, used to be on a weekly basis. You'd have a handful now on a daily basis, you have a handful that are from out of state. And that that's just, uh, you know, for us, you know, it's more inspecting that they get the correct uh, sewer services and electrical services and things like that, that they're going to have to have. And it's no different from the city, maybe even harder, more difficult for the city because they're liable to get more residents at one time. Uh, the university, I'm sure, you know, with the with the student enrollment. So I think that's where we're all at is is, is with the growth uh, and and being able to continue to provide uh, the services. Uh, I know in the county we're, we're adding a, an office building because we've just really outgrown where we're at. And, you know, it, if we have to uh, absorb uh, additional services that somebody else is providing right now, well, uh, how do you pay for those services? And do, do you have to increase uh, the tax rate that you have? Because we, we have taxing authority. And so that's just a little uh, something that we go back and forth with the state on. And even with our legislators, our senators, et cetera, we want them to be sure that to take us into consideration that uh, you know they don't put undue burdens on us that uh, that we have to meet because of a, because of a law that you know sometimes it may not really have to be that specific to us uh, it's specific to somebody else but it ends up affecting the whole state and so uh, yeah we we want to have our voice heard down in Austin sure. and uh, and I, so I hope we can uh, somehow get, uh, get around that one for, for this year I guess it's going to be fine you know but it, because if it passes, it'll be in the next session that it's going to affect us. Right, right. Well, I, I want to thank you for uh, your leadership during this time in the in, in the county and during this crisis as well. Uh, I know our, our listeners, uh, part of the reason why we, we do give uh, some significant attention, it's not every show, but we try to give a, a lot of attention to local, uh, what's happening locally and our different government entities and and how how uh, not only explaining what what they do, but also how they're engaging with uh, crises like the one that we're seeing. And and so I appreciate your time today and and for joining us and uh, uh, just uh, 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 giving us some insight here into uh, what what you're doing and then what's ahead uh, for county government, especially as we head to this legislative session. So thank you, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
We will take a short break and then we will be back for more on politics. Politics can be confusing, but On Politics with Eric Morrow has your back. Follow the show on Facebook. Search On Politics with Eric Morrow to stay up to date with the show and all the sources to follow right along. Texas is a Texas-based history podcast from historian Dr. T. Lindsey Baker. Find a new episode every Thursday morning wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to On Politics. I'm Dr. Eric Morrow at Tarleton State University. And again, we're glad you're joining us today. Uh, if you missed the first part of the show, that was Judge Alfonso Campos, the county judge for Erath County. And I would encourage you to go back and listen, uh, which will be available on SoundCloud after the show or a podcast. Uh, but just that a conversation about county government, uh, some of the things that are happening in the midst of the pandemic, uh, the vaccine distribution, uh, what's coming up in the next Texas legislative session. Uh, I, I, I got into a little bit of detail, but I want to follow up some with that because we do this in state and local government classes uh, teaching our, our students, and that is to try to help them understand local government. And one of the things that we find when we do assessment about basic knowledge of government that uh, many students have a better knowledge of, of federal government uh, that lessens a little more when you talk about state government, but when you come down to local government, it's even less. And I think that's very challenging because local government provides us most of the services uh, that come from government. Uh, most of those services that we rely on and at many points take for granted uh, uh, on a regular basis come from our cities, our counties, and our school districts, and then other special districts that we have throughout the state of Texas. And so it's really important that we're engaged with that, that we keep up with news of what's happening. Uh, This is where our uh, different uh, levels, whether it's our city council or school board or uh, uh, the county commissioner's court, where they're making the decisions. They're, they're like those, they're the legislative bodies of these uh, local uh, uh, levels of government uh, that are making decisions about uh, the services that are provided and about uh, the, the, the welfare and the public good of, of those uh, in a specific region, whether it's a city or a county. And so I think that's something important that we all should be aware of, what types of services are provided by what uh, level of government. And I'll publish some things, post some things on Facebook. Uh, The Texas Association of Counties has some great videos uh, that help to explain that. What's the difference between city, county, and state in terms of the services that are provided uh, to people. Uh, It's just really important to know that and to understand that, uh, to to not take it for granted. Uh, Like I said, during the interview, uh, I asked uh, students uh, what they did that morning. Did they brush their teeth? They used water. That water uh, comes through a water facility and be the result of local government, a water district or city, uh, the driving on the street, the stoplights. I mean, there's just so many different things that are in place uh, in addition to public safety, public health and other resources that uh, we need to be aware of. So we're going to move here in the second half of the show from local government 
uh, back to federal government uh, to talk a little bit about something that's kind of flying a little bit under the radar. It's get, been getting a little more attention the last few days, uh, but it's been overshadowed this week by uh, the uh, counting uh, or the casting of the Electoral College votes on Monday uh, that uh, confirmed Joe Biden as the winner of the, the the presidential election and also the distribution of the Pfizer vaccine and the uh, approval of the Moderna vaccine uh, to fight the pandemic. Uh, so these have been the top stories of the week. This is where a lot of media attention has been. But uh, last week, we had one of the most significant cyber attacks uh, on uh, the U.S. federal government. Uh, and it's starting to pick up a little bit of traction here in terms of the attention that this is getting. Uh, but I did an interview earlier in the week on this, and I wanted to bring it on the show because as we move through the week, there's been a little bit more information. And I think this is something we all need to be aware of because this is the day and age in which we live. Uh, this is a, a time when uh, it's no longer a, someone physically having to get into a facility and get to documents and then and then uh, share them with someone and so on because we use so much technology now and that technology as we're seeing with this attack and with others that 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 are ongoing, uh, that uh, the the access to that you can be uh, completely on the other side of the world and get access to uh, top secret information and documents if you're able to to penetrate cyber defenses and so on. And and so I wanted to give some attention to this, one, because uh, on the one hand, this goes on all the time. Governments around the world, especially large governments, United the United States does this, Russia, China, the UK, uh, others, they spend significant amount of money to uh, to do this cyber espionage and to try to to get access to computer systems that have uh, data and information. Uh, this is ongoing and it, and it's just go, it happens all the time. I mean, we you can go to the uh, uh, I think there's the Center for um, uh, the Strategic uh, and International Affairs where they document uh and you can look back over the past year and, and each month you can see 10 to 12 different kinds of cyber attacks that have gone on uh, that were significant. Uh, so that's the first thing to understand about this is that it, it does go on. It's a part of the international scene. It's a part of our world. It's a part of the engagement of countries with other countries, whether they're friends or enemies or so forth. Uh, the, the, the challenge here is that these uh, attacks are getting more and more sophisticated sophisticated. Uh, and as we look back over some of the more significant ones, uh, you know, we can look back to 2015 when uh, the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, uh, their systems were hacked into and, and, and it went on for several months that that access was there until it was discovered. Or in 2006, uh, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs uh, was uh, uh uh, there was uh, an attack there in which information uh, was uh, taken as well. Uh, those are minor compared to what happened this past week. Uh, so from our federal investigatory agencies, uh, they're pointing to this being a, a Russian-initiated attack. Um, and this attack 
was not through a fishing attempt, which if you've had any kind of training uh, where you work or uh, 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 online regarding how you avoid phishing attempts where they, you get an email that says, open this attachment. Uh, this was not anything like that. This was on a much higher level. And what it was, was that the, uh, the, the cyber terrorists, as they're called, uh, they were able to infiltrate a company that provides a server maintenance software, uh, not only to federal agencies, but to many fortune 500 companies and, and, and many corporations. Um, now, how would they know they're using this software? Well, in our, uh, in, in our, uh, uh, uh society and our, our economic system, uh, we rely a lot on private organizations or companies to provide certain kinds of services. Uh, and what do those companies do? Well, if you've got some big government contracts or you're providing uh, services to Fortune 500 companies, you promote that. You put that on your website. You say, here are all the people that we're, that are buying our product. Why? Because you're in business to sell it and you want to promote the fact that you have all these, these big name customers, government, non-governmental, uh, in order to do that. So it's not that difficult to find out uh, now that may change after this, uh, but this company called Solar Winds, that's based out of Texas, uh, have a software that's called Orion, and that software is, without going into a lot of detail, is primarily to help it uh, maintain uh, servers, to to analyze server usage, to uh, address data issues and and uh, protection of data. I mean, there's just there's all different facets of it that that are in components of it. So what it appears happened is that the hackers were able to get into this software and to implant uh, a um, a means uh, through an update, so that once the software was updated by anyone that was using it. Uh, it would open a back door to where they could go in and get into these systems and 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 be able to move around and grab information uh, and so forth. Uh, so that that in and of itself is a concern because now you have it working through a third party uh, coming in a software that this, then is being used and they were able to hack into it and able to uh, then get into these systems. Uh, the systems themselves. Well, what about the extent of it? Well, if you look at any of the uh, the news stories that are out there uh, uh, regarding this, uh, there were a number of federal agencies that were targeted in this. Uh, Homeland Security, State Department, parts of the Pentagon, the Treasury and Commerce Departments. I mean, these are just some of the, the of what they know. Uh, and uh, so it, it may be even more extensive than that. I mean, this is going to take time to sort through to see uh, how extensive this is and what the impact of it uh, of it is. The other side of it is that this was not even discovered uh, by federal agencies themselves. Uh, it was an outside contractor, uh, a private cybersecurity firm called FireEye, that alerted American intelligence. Uh, that the hackers had gotten into these systems because FireEye was also uh, using solar winds, was also hacked. And so when they discovered this, they went to say, okay, wait a minute, uh, we're monitoring all these other systems for the federal government. And we see that this uh, the same thing ha has happened. Uh, in fact, uh, some of the reporting on this says that about 18,000 private and government users downloaded this tainted software update. 
which gave hackers a foothold into victims' uh, systems. So again, this is being uh, appointed or pointing to the to the Russians for this. Uh, one of the things I was asking the interview was this hackers that are just out there somewhere and they're they're just doing this to to get the information and sell it or so forth. And and I, and I have to explain and I'll explain it, it here as well that again this is the regular work of what governments are doing. This is a part of uh, espionage to. Uh, for for a variety of reasons, it could be to to get information that could be used in 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 different ways uh, in order to for some financial benefit. It's to get information that could uh, be used to counter. Uh, and, and when we're talking about arms and technology, uh, but to counter uh, what uh, one country is doing and, and and be able to do the same things, to level the playing field, as we would say, okay, what are they doing? What do we need to be prepared for? How do we compete? How do we, how do, we do and protect ourselves uh, from what this other uh, country is doing? Remember the billions and billions of dollars that go into uh, defense spending that is developing technologies uh, to uh, to prevent attacks and 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 to keep other uh, countries at bay in terms of technological superiority. Uh, so th- this is this is going on, and and so it's it's very clear from our federal agencies that they're the 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 our security agencies, the national security agency, that they're pointing to Russia uh, as the source of this attack. But what what's significant about this, as as I've already said, is the extent of it. Uh, and and now as the week has gone on. Uh, federal officials are are now getting very concerned about this. In fact, an urgent warning was issued uh, on Thursday uh, that the hackers who had penetrated deep into these government systems, they also used other malware and different attack techniques. So this is not just the end of it. It's not just this one software and its updates that you could uh, shut it off and and, and break the connection here. Uh, There are other things that have been planted now in these systems that could give uh, Russian intelligence agencies more uh, access in the future other ways to get inside these systems. And so what what's happening now is it's not just uh, the, the challenges and the cost of, of protection, it's also the cost of now going through these systems to see if you can identify what's been planted there. Uh, that raises some con- a number of concerns, not just continued access by hackers into government systems, uh, but also what what could happen? What could they do with this? Uh, what, what does this mean for us? I mean, and I think this is where this goes when we're talking about and reflecting on it uh, and, and, and then looking at what government is doing to counter this. The, the access that, they, that they, they got and what this shows is that systems that we rely on, okay, our utility, uh, our energy grid, electricity grid across the country, our telecommunications, our internet access, uh, all of these things uh, uh, could be exposed, uh, could be, have, there could be a level of access uh, where th- those systems could be manipulated. Okay, that that's that was the concern about the election. A lot of that was adjusted. We went back to uh, bifurcated systems with printed ballots and different things like that across most of the country. 
Uh, but th- this this impacts a lot of those things, as I've talked about, county government with services provided that we take it for granted that we're going to have electricity. We're going to have Internet access. We're going to have a phone be able to communicate with our phones. Uh, we, we have emergency management systems. Another one that was brought up was the uh, uh, our nuclear agency and access into how we monitor and regulate. Uh, nuclear power plants and nuclear resources. I mean, this gets really, really serious when you move along that spectrum. That if the intent is to to do harm or damage, uh, that that access could be there to do so. It's not just about the information. It's not just about hey, what are they doing with this technology? What are they doing in this area of defense? It, it, it can be much more about uh, the stability uh, of our country. Uh, in terms of the uh, the things that we depend on uh, in order to uh, provide for uh, the resources that people need on a moment by moment day by day basis so that that's why this is significant one because it was so broad that it impacts so many agencies of government uh, two because of the, the the sophistication of it has moved this to another level uh, and this is, as I said, the day and age we're in where this is going to become more prevalent and the the amount of money. And we've seen that increase considerably over the last two decades. I mean, we went uh, from the single digits now to I think the most recent approved budget was over 18 billion uh, on cybersecurity, on 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 securing a, a government and, and, and corporate systems and uh, uh in order to keep cyber terrorists out. And of course, here we see a major failure of that when they were able to go through a third party software uh, with an update that gets loaded into uh, government systems. And then uh, they were able to get access in that manner. But the other way of this is of concern is uh, our, our daily lives and the impact that this can have. And that's why I wanted to bring it to your attention. It's not to to, to veer off into a, a, a long overview of, of cybersecurity, but much more to create an awareness that, that our, we need to be following this. We need to uh, encourage our elected leaders to give attention to this uh, because this could be very detrimental. I mean, you think about all of us when we've had storms and you have the power go out and you have our downed utilities in some way, or you have to boil your water or other, you have other uh, challenger issues. Uh, many people have moved away from landline phones to mobile phones. You talk about these networks that are out there that we rely on. Uh, this this could be very very challenging uh, if we do not rise to the occasion to meet it, and I think that's what's going to be pressing on a Biden administration. Uh, initially, the, the the Trump administration uh, looked at this as just another regular cyber attack that that as I said they do happen frequently, uh, but now they're starting to get more serious about it because uh, officials, national security officials, are. Uh, kind of screaming loudly to say this is different. This is much more intense, much more severe, much more intrusive, and it, it's a, there's a need to, to to not only find out how intrusive this was, but we've got to do more uh, to protect uh, government information and data 
in order to to protect our country. And that is it is a national security issue. It is very much so uh, when you have other countries that are coming into our uh, departments of government and being able to access uh, this kind of information. Uh, so I wanted to bring you this attention. There's a lot of articles out there about it. I'll post some on Facebook so that you can uh, look, read into this and, and kind of follow it. Um, I think it's something that we will look at. Uh, I will hope in the, in the near future uh, to get someone on the show who has this cybersecurity background uh, that can talk to us a little bit about it. We have several faculty that, uh, that work and do research in this area. And it would be great to have them on to talk about where we go with this, especially when the Biden administration comes in and we see what kind of attention uh, that they give uh, to uh, these issues uh, and how they go about um, uh, addressing uh, an attack of this magnitude uh, once they are uh, in office. Uh, As we wrap up the show today, I know we're on the cusp of the holidays here, and we will continue to uh, offer our shows and move into the new year, especially coming up on a uh, a, a session of the Texas legislature with so much happening in the state of Texas, the the budget concerns, the pandemic, uh, and other issues that we've brought to your attention over this past year that we'll be following uh, during this session. Uh, And I hope also to have uh, uh, some of our elected officials, but also uh, to have some on on that have experience in this environment. Uh, It's it's very uh, uh, engaging environment uh, to be in as the, the state legislature starts to gear up uh, to meet, to do its business, to pass a budget for the next biennium. And so it's it's going to be a unique time given all the circumstances and the challenges uh, that we're in. But as we wrap up here uh, for the, uh, the, the year of 2020, uh, I do want to uh, wish everyone a safe holiday and an enjoyable one. Uh, one of the things I think, as we heard from uh, Judge Campos and as we're seeing in other, uh, from other sources as well and from our public health officials, uh, is just encouraging everyone to be safe. Uh, we, we've got to weather this thing out. The vaccines are being distributed. Uh, we, we, we've seen a tremendous increase in loss of life during this spike in the pandemic. And, and, and we need to, to address that as quickly as we can. And so the more that we can be safe uh, and protect others and protect ourselves, uh, the more that we can limit uh, not just the spread of it, but the, the the more severe outcome of people who are hospitalized with severe illness or people who uh, d- die from this. And so I think we 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 need to to stay the course here uh, to try to uh, to follow the the directives that were being given uh, and to. Um, uh, to, to hope for the best, pray for the best as we see this the vaccine now begin to roll out and to be given to those who are uh, on the front lines uh, in battling this. Uh, so I encourage you to, to do that and to uh, think about doing your part uh, here in our local community and beyond uh, in uh, uh, engaging with this and in advocating for best practices here in terms of safety uh, so that we can get through that in in the, the weeks and months ahead. Uh, we're going to continue to bring you more engaging information and stories and issues right here on politics. Uh, we 
That's our job each week is to bring to you uh, new facets that maybe you're not as familiar with on the local, state, and national, and even sometimes the international level. So I want to thank you for joining us here today. Uh, We're right here each week at 12 noon on Sundays on KTRL 90.5 FM and streaming on tarletonradio.com. We're also available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Podcasts, as well as on SoundCloud. That's on Politics with Eric Morrow, where you can download and listen to the show either as a podcast or on SoundCloud. You can listen to it uh, right there on SoundCloud after the show airs each week. So thank you for joining us uh, again this week. Uh, We'll look forward to being back with you with another show next week as we look ahead uh, to the new year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone. And thank you again for joining us and being a part of our On Politics community. podcast with production from me, Taylor Welch, and me, Carissa Cole. Find more great shows by searching Tarleton Radio Network wherever you get your podcasts.